Hello, my name's Alana. And my name's Georgia. And this is the Listen to This Podcast. so many people I didn't know that had done it same I know people I forgot that had done it that are like like Celine Dion I completely forgot she did Eurovision Eurovision Abba <laughs> Abba I'm like it must have been so good back in the day I feel like now it's gone downhill yeah I feel like now it's just I mean the people that enter that are from the UK like you know it's gonna be terrible like i feel like we don't take it as seriously as like other countries do i think we take it too seriously in that oh dragon. we don't just have like a fun act that's true actually i think yeah. we try and come across as like serious musicians when really i just want someone in like a wig <laughs> and wearing like flames or something <laughs> i think that's our problem we're too british about it yeah, actually, maybe you're right. Yeah, because we're, yeah, we always submit someone who's like quite serious, don't we? And we always have quite a bit of an emotional song. Although I don't know what the song was this year. Oh. I didn't watch it this year. I haven't even heard it. Oh, uh, yeah, Neera I, I know it was John Newman's brother, but that's it. Yeah, I was found his TikTok the other day. He's written like quite a lot of famous songs. Oh. So he's like a proper songwriter. So I feel bad for him. So well. But at the same time... I mean, to get no votes, ouch. And I was looking at like all the people that were like top, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I did actually, um, as part of my research, write down a couple of people that were surprising entries, but also like forgotten people that didn't, like, that tried to qualify but didn't qualify. Huh. So I feel like maybe I should go through those first Definitely. before we jump into our where are they now. Um, so in 2007, Justin Hawkins of The Darkness um, tried to be, uh, try, tried to qualify, I guess. And that, that same year, Atomic Kittens, Liz McLaren and E17's Brian Harvey also entered to try and qualify. Um, but none of them did, and this guy called Scooch got the public vote to go in. Yeah. <laughs> um, and ended up coming twenty second, so didn't do so well. Justin could save us all, I think. Right, I was very surprised he didn't get kind of voted in. Uh, so yeah, that was one. And then in two thousand and five, <laughs> Katie Price came second in the qualifying vote. <laughs> But she lost to a former Girls Aloud member, Javine. What? I know. I, I I think it was like someone who almost was part of Girls Aloud. Oh, uh, sure. Because they were on from like the show. But that that pop star show. I can't remember what it's called now. And uh yeah, so but she ended up finishing twenty second as well. So again, not a very um good place for the UK. Um <laughs> Sunita, not a year before she found <laughs> success 
The leaves. We're so macho. The leaves, Sunita, <laughs> that's all I think about. Yeah. I mean, if she'd gone on in the leaves and sang a song. You would have won. She definitely would have won. Yeah. <laughs> but she came fourth in the public vote and obviously didn't qualify, um, which I thought was quite surprising. But yeah, a year later, she obviously had So Macho that was a hit in 1984. Um, someone from Love Actually came sixth in the actual competition in 1996. They were representing Portugal. Mm. I think her name is Lucia Moniz. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. But I think she was Colin Firth's, like, love interest in it. Oh, the bitch. The one with the necklace. <laughs> the assistant. <laughs> it might be, yeah. I think it I'm is. sure she was That's who I'm imagining. sure she wasn't a bitch, but... <laughs> the bitch. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she came sixth, so yeah. she did all right. Uh, obviously, Olivia Newton-John completely forgot that she entered for the UK. Uh, she came fourth, um, but lost to ABBA. Obvs. Oh, yeah. And then the other random one I found was <laughs> in 1991, Samantha Womack, who you probably don't know the name of, but it's Ronnie Mitchell from EastEnders. Yeah. She came 10th. In the 1991 one. Wow. She does quite a lot of, like, um, stage, stages on, what's the word? Plays and stuff. <laughs> stages. Yeah. <laughs> Been in lockdown a long time. <laughs> so, yeah, I just wrote down those kind of random ones that I'd never even realised tried to qualify or were even part of it. Did you, did you know Cliff Richard did it twice? What? For the UK. Really? Which is horrifying. But I think he might have won once. I'm not sure. Did he? I, I, I was honestly, I was kind of avoiding finding out anything more about it because I just he just irritates me in general. Oh, I can't stand him. But yeah, I, he, I think he did, um, what was that really popular Cliff Richard song? Celebration. Oh, was that a Eurovision song? Yeah. Wow. And I did was not like, know oh, that. Okay, all right. Well, apparently Bonnie <laughs> Tyler did it. I saw that. Yeah, because like, the person that I've done a Where Are They Now on commented on it and just said that like she would have won it if she had a better song. Because apparently her song was really, really bad. Yeah, that's the thing. You got to have a good song. I mean, if she'd gone on and done Holding Out for a Hero. <laughs> smashed it. <laughs> do you do you watch Eurovision? Like, have you? Do you religiously watch it or? Um, I do like watching it. Over the last few years, I haven't been like as into watching it because I feel like I've got a little bit bored of it. I mostly just watch it because of Graham Norton, to be honest, yes. and his commentary. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I do like to watch it when it's on. Obviously, it's a bit of a commitment. I would like to do a night where it's like a group of friends watch it and it's a drinking game. Yeah, that'd be fun. Maybe we should do that next year. Yeah, so he, I didn't watch it this year. I've like been like you said. I used to watch it quite a lot, and then yeah, that's the thing. Like the past few years, it hasn't really appealed to me that much. No, I don't know if that's like maybe it is because, like you said in the beginning, maybe it's because we take it a little bit too seriously, so it doesn't feel very fun. And to be fair, it's always a bit sad for us as well because we just never get any votes. Maybe so. we should go next year. Get tickets if it's in Italy then. I mean, well up for that. 
feel like that's how we get back into it. We just go straight in, <laughs> full force. I like that idea. Yeah, not, let's do I'm it. I'm not even sure how it works, but sure. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, so I, uh, who did you kind of focus on? I'm wondering. <laughs> I wonder if we've done the same one. I don't think we have. Um, I kept going back and forth and I thought, I'm right, I'm going to do a UK one. And um, I ended up actually doing the first UK person who won it. Ooh. So her name is Sandy Shaw. Um, so, yeah, I kind of went down that route. Who did you do? I I did one and then I was worried that we did the same one, so I did a backup one. <laughs> <laughs> so my original one was uh, Katrina and the Waves. Oh my god, I literally almost, like, I started writing it down, and then I was like, oh, I'll see if there's another one around, and then I saw the Sandy yeah. Shaw one, and I was like, oh, I'll do that instead. And then I was like, oh, Alan's probably going to do that one. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I very almost did, I, to be fair. Almost, I sort of did a backup of uh, Conchita. Okay, yeah. that's one of the last performances that I was actually quite invested in. But to be that's fair, that's one of the ones that like sticks in my brain. Oh my god, that to be fair. I literally cried. <laughs> like when I think of Eurovision, like that's the first thing like I go to really. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I had I've got done a bit of both. Okay, well, um, well, mate, shall I go first and then you can do your your ones? Yeah, if you want. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, Sandy Shaw. Um, I didn't realize she's a pretty famous woman. Like I didn't really know the name. Do you know the name? No. Would you know what she looks like? No. No idea. Um, so she was actually pretty big, like in the sixties, but in nineteen sixty-seven, she became the first UK winner of um Eurovision and it was held in Vienna. Um, but she actually had like already had quite a bit of success. So because it's quite funny, isn't it? Because now really it's like unknown people mm. that go into it. Whereas, like, I think back in the day, they used to submit people who are quite successful before it became a bit of a thing that it was a bit of an embarrassment to enter. Yeah, also, and, like, it feels a bit unfair sometimes. Yeah, well, I started reading this, like, Reddit thread, and it's like, someone was like, why don't the UK just enter Adele every year <laughs> and win every year? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think it really works like that. I think we, but, we'd still lose. I, would, I definitely <laughs> think we would to be fair um but yeah she she'd already had like two number one singles she appeared on like tv all the time and she um yeah she was she had like albums out that had done really well and she actually had and I think this is part of the reason why they probably wanted her to enter she already had quite a big European following because every time she released an album she would release it in like different languages of the different European countries mm. so she would record an Italian version and a Spanish version and all that kind of stuff French version um which is a commitment God, that's, like you must be so talented <laughs> yeah Jeez. literally um so so she already had a pretty good European following um, but yeah, in 1967, just to give a bit of context around her um, actually entering and stuff, um, so there was a little bit of scandal, mm. um, which which was part of the reason why I switched from Katrina and the Waves, because I was like, oh, scandalous. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, she was asked to represent the UK and um, she initially didn't want to do it because she was like, it's going to ruin my credibility. Like she was quite well known as like the woman of the 60s and like she was the epitome of swinging 60s at the time, apparently. Uh, so she was like, I don't want to do it. Like it's going to ruin my career. Um, but at that time, her album sales were fa- falling a bit and her manager was like, you need to do it. Uh, so she was like, fine, okay, I'll, I'll like do it. She was actually only 21 at the time as well. Whoa. Um, but she performed five songs on uh, live on the Rolf Harris show, Hawks. Mm. Um, <laughs> and the public voted for her to sing this song called Puppet on a String. And she said that she she hated the song. Her like direct quote is, uh, "I was instinctively repelled by its sexist drivel and cuckoo clock tune." <laughs> I like this song. <laughs> so she was thrilled <laughs> with the song choice, uh, but obviously that was the one that they chose. So she was like, "Okay, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna roll with it." And obviously she went on to win it. Uh, she actually won it by like quite a lot she had a landslide win with 47 votes um and the song also actually became her third number one hit and that was a record for a woman at the time as well Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool and it sold four million plus copies and um and it's actually the biggest selling winning eurovision song to date so i listened to the song i I mean i agree with her i don't i don't love the song (laughs) it's a bit i don't know whiny (laughs) it's like upbeat but it's just yeah um, it's not a vibe um but so she actually almost didn't perform because of this scandal that happened um she was involved in this like divorce scandal to do with like a bbc tv executive Uh so she'd started going out with this guy called douglas murdoch and he was married but she didn't know so she'd been going out with them and then they'd got engaged and yeah. she was like wrapped up in this like scandal. So like, I think it was a couple of weeks before Eurovision, it all kind of came out and hang on, let me change my page. Um, yeah. So she didn't know he was married. It all came out a week before Eurovision and the B- and BBC were basically like saying that she was the other woman and like, we're saying like, we don't want you to, be part of the Eurovision just a, contest anymore, like just another healthy sprinkling of sexist people, <laughs> as she would say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, and yeah, they said like we don't want you to be part of it anymore. But they and apparently at the time, like her manager wasn't speaking to her because I think she was she had to end up going to like the div- divorce hearing and stuff, and it got really nasty and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, she her manager wasn't speaking to her and he, she said even on the flight to Vienna her manager was like not speaking to her about it um and she was only 21 at the time like so mean um but she said she was like well this is my chance to get some vengeance I'm gonna go and I'm gonna win it yeah and she won it oh <laughs> how, how sick is that how cool is that <laughs> I mean she sounds great like the interviews that she's done um, I was reading a few and like some of the quote, direct quotes from her are classic. She was, she sounds like a great woman. Um, so yeah, so that, that was kind of like a big thing around the time. And, um, but yeah, she went on to win it. And then 
after Eurovision, so kind of on to her, yeah, where are they now sort of thing, she actually went on to start her own fashion label. Um, she hosted her own TV show, and then she like went on to release loads more music. Um, but and I think that was like all the way through to about 1972. And then she said, actually, I'm going to retire from being like a pop star. I want to be on the stage. So she started doing loads of stage productions and she was writing children's books. So obviously a very talented woman. Uh, and during that time as well, she got she actually got married and divorced twice. But her first husband seems awful because he he was a like struggling sort of fashion designer. Um, his name was Jeff Banks. And apparently he like all the money that she made from Eurovision. Another thing I found out, uh, you don't win any money. Did you, you know that? No, you don't win anything. Oh. You just win, like, you win the chance to perform, like, the f- next year, and you win, like, the trophy thing, that whatever sucks. it is. That doesn't seem worth it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, all these different, no. like, stages you have to do, and they've got, like, all the voting stuff. Like, what, you don't even... That's mental. Sorry, I was just moving because I yeah. had that leg. <laughs> you would have thought like yeah. it's huge and you, don't we have to pay to take part in it as well yeah apparently like obviously yeah the countries have to invest quite a lot of money into putting it all on and paying for all of the production it's and mega, stuff it's mega expensive I'm pretty sure it's like a couple hundred grand yeah yeah I mean and because of like the amount of effort that goes in a lot of countries end up spending like millions on their entry so yeah it's quite mad so it's it's literally like the olympics of singing (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah um so she she didn't make any money from eurovision directly but obviously it became like a really good selling single so she ended up making quite a bit of money from that Uh, and it like it boosted her kind of popularity especially around europe so she'd like obviously could tour and things but uh she said that this guy Jeff Banks, her first husband, her yeah, her first husband, um, he like blew all of her money, so he like spent it all like on trying to start his like fashion career, mm. and he and she didn't really know at the time like how bad it was, and basically he just like yeah bankrupt her almost, and um left her. They had a child, and he like basically left her with nothing. She had to live in a caravan with her kid Jeez. after. Uh, they divorced so that wasn't so fun her second marriage I think was just got to a um like a producer guy and that just, it just kind of ended I think quite mutually uh but yeah so that was kind of through the 70s and then in the 80s she picked her music career back up because she received a letter from the Smiths so mm. Morrissey um and he co. shall not be named <laughs> Um, he said that she he couldn't believe that she was like stopping music and she couldn't do that. So she went on and like she worked with them for a bit. She worked with them on songs and she went on to release like a cover of one of their songs called Hand in Glove. But it didn't particularly do that well in the charts. It peaked at like 29, I think. So she went on to like still do some music things. Uh, but she said that it wasn't really like her passion. She just she was I think she was kind of done with it. And then in the 90s, she released an autobiography, early 90s, and then 
Um, she spent some time at Oxford University studying to become a psychotherapist, which she did in, um, she, she qualified in 1994. And that's when she met her third husband. And they actually opened a psychological health care clinic, like using like creative, like music and arts and stuff to help people heal. Um, and they called it, so they called it Barefoot Therapy, the arts clinic, because she was, her trademark was that she would always perform barefoot mm. and she had like really weird feet. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan. So any, she was known for it. Like everybody used to call her like the barefoot lady. And so she called it barefoot therapy, which I thought was quite fun. But yeah, uh, she, so they opened that and that was like her passion for ages with, with him. Um, and that was all she wanted to do really like she was like that's that's it now like that's basically I'm like happy with where I am but there was in like the late 90s early 2000s she went on to do like a legal battle against um, her previous label to get ownership of her entire back catalogue because her contract was really dodgy and the classic thing that always happens Um, but she won the legal battle and um, got all the like rights and stuff to it which was really good but then she actually licensed it licensed it to emi who then obviously just made her loads of money because she just they just released like compilations of her stuff and newly mastered versions and all that sort of like limited edition things so that was like a money earner on the side while she could and that meant that she could like go along and keep this healthcare clinic going that she actually was like mostly focused on um, and then, yeah, sort of throughout the 2000s, she appeared on and off of like TV, uh, performing at festivals. She did a stint on Loose Women, I think, for a bit. Um, but she really, she all she wanted to do was the clinic. So um, she hasn't done like huge, uh, a huge amount of stuff since then. Uh, and the latest thing really is in 2017, she was given an MBE for her services to music. Wow. Yeah. So which is a pretty cool honor so yeah that's kind of what what she got up to wow, Sandy like, Shaw first first UK winner that's so nice so like unexpected but nice mm. I always like it when someone yeah so it's a nice journey finds like a a, a passion <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's quite like I guess it's quite weird because like, I was reading through a few of them and like some of them some of the people who have entered like they've ended up becoming like working at tesco and like stuff yeah so it's (laughs) funny you mention that it's like a good segue into yours yeah yeah so i did (laughs) katrina and the waves Mm -hmm. who i feel like everyone just knows them for their song walking on sunshine banger Absolutely. I don't know why it makes me think of Futurama and I'm not sure if there's like a Futurama episode <laughs> with it in or something. I can't think of one off the top of my head. But like it's just such a good song and I didn't like know anything about it. I feel like to me they're a one hit wonder because like that was the only song I ever think of. Mm. But they're actually like a British American band. So the lead singer Katrina is actually American and yes her name is actually Katrina. Oh. 
But Walking on Sunshine came out in 1985, and they actually did Eurovision after. Oh. Which surprised me. But yeah, it's, they did mm. Eurovision in 1997, and they had a song called Love Shine a Light. And they, um, I mean, it's kind of a spoiler, but yes, they won. <laughs> and yes, they won by a margin of points that was actually like the record at the time. Oh, wow. So they won like by a ton. And it became like a huge hit. It became their biggest ever like UK hit, which it surprises me because I thought Walking on Sunshine would have been their like biggest ever hit. But it like peaked at number three in the singles charts. And it's just really interesting because they had like quite a strange beginning. So they were actually Katrina wasn't in the original band. There's kind of like kind of different, a few different versions of them. They were kind of known as like the Waves, and then they were known as like a few different other names. Where the original members kind of like left and joined different kind of projects. Oh, and then eventually, like Katrina joined, and they all kind of became. Katrina and the Waves, which is quite funny because you know they were the Waves, and now <laughs> it might if you've ever read Daisy Jones and the Six, I feel like that's very similar. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so they um, they did pretty well. She um, they did a few like different kind of performances and stuff on TV, and they had like they've produced like a ton of albums, which I had no idea. But yeah, they've is got, there like. like- a secret fan base for them. I do know. I just... They've got a massive backlog of songs. And, like, they just seem like quite, like, a interesting band. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on between them. But they had quite a bit of, like, internal conflict as well. So they sort of, like, broke up a few times. They just... There seemed to be a lot of people kind of, like, moving around in what they were doing in the band and, like, who was singing lead and stuff like that there just seemed a lot of like changes but um they had a pretty good fan base and did like a lot of touring and it wasn't actually until 1985 when when their first song came out that they actually got a record deal so they'd done quite a lot before then and they had to kind of like re-record a lot of stuff when they eventually got their record deal and that's why like Walking on Sunshine basically had like this huge success because they'd signed finally sort of signed like a big record deal oh um they had a grammy nomination for best new artist really and this is all before maybe i need to listen to them i know this is all before they even did one eurovision so they were already pretty well known Mm. but yeah they um they did Eurovision. They did really well. Love Shine a Light is like quite an uplifting song, and I think that's part partially why it won. It's just like a really like uniting song, which is kind of plays in a little bit later. But yeah, so they won, and kind of despite this success, they just continued to have a lot of issues. Oh, and no. they never really managed to follow it up with another hit song. Like, that was kind of it. Like, those are their two big hits, really. 
and Katrina actually ended up leaving in 1998, so only a year after they won Eurovision. Oh, jeez. And then they were like, well, what do we do? Katrina's left. We're not really (laughs) Katrina and the Waves anymore. So then there was this huge legal battle where she didn't really want them to use her name because obviously she's not in the band anymore and, you know. Mm. It's fair. And they kind of, (laughs) they actually tried to find, like, a new, (laughs) it says they tried to find a new Katrina. To kind of justify that, just hold auditions. Yeah, just to kind of called Katrina. Justify keeping the name, <laughs> but they eventually it didn't work out, and in 1999, they disbanded and just did like solo projects. Pretty much, she tried to do her own sort of like um, solo career, and you know they tried to revive it with a new singer, but it, it just never really worked. Mm. But yeah, she went solo. She had a lot of like solo success. And um, kind of one of them actually ended up, one of the other members of the band ended up performing in Eurovision in 2010. Really? And she'd like signed a deal with like Sam and Cow. So they're all like clearly very talented. Oh, is this um, Neve? Yeah. Someone, Kavanaugh, 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 something like that. Yeah, yeah. I was reading about her actually because I was like, oh, that seems like an interesting one. Yeah, so they that kind of happened, and uh, yeah, it's so funny you mentioned Tesco because during the pandemic, you know, they'd all kind of done their solo stuff, but Katrina actually started working in Tesco and she dedicates a lot of her time to coaching young musicians as well which is really quite sweet and I had a look at her Twitter and she was live tweeting about this year's Eurovision so she's clearly very much (laughs) still a fan which is nice yeah but in 2020 because obviously it, it couldn't take place due to the coronavirus there was this huge thing I think I watched it and they did like a sort of like dedication thing where they did Eurovision they called it Eurovision Europe shine a light where they did like uh kind of loads of artists performing love shine a light oh how nice and it was kind of like this show and they like re-recorded it with everyone and uh, Katrina actually ended up singing the last line in the show oh that's so wholesome so it kind of kind of came like full circle full circle really i swear last year i remember reading that they were going on tour do you or like they were headlining some kind of festival or something because i remember being like because my mum's favorite song is walking on sunshine and I remember mentioning it to her, like, oh, Katrina and the yeah. Waves are gay, like, are going on tour or whatever. That's like a throwback. Um, but yeah, I don't really, maybe, maybe it was just like a one off thing or maybe it was that Eurovision thing. But yeah, they are, they're all, all still like quite active in music. But yeah, that was, it's, yeah, it's funny. That was... It's funny how, yeah, people go on to do like relatively like normal things, I guess, after that kind of success. Hmm. And yeah, just like, yeah, like, I guess, like Sandy, she went on to do like this clinic thing and nothing, like, not really anything to do with music. And then, 
Yeah. But yeah, that was the story of Katrina and the waves. <laughs> that's a that's another nice one because it just ends on a nice note. Yeah, I feel even like... though they had obviously beef between them. Yeah, it's a shame, but I mean, two absolute bangers of a song. So <laughs> maybe I'll have to revisit them because if they're you know they're an eighties band. Yeah, and we do love a bit of eighties music. So it gave me like Fleetwood Mac vibes, like the amount of drama, the internal drama. Yeah, but yeah. Do you want me to do like a quick summary of Conchita? Or yeah, definitely. So I feel like Conchita's like one of the most memorable contestants ever, because obviously mm-hmm. it was uh, a woman with a beard, and everyone was like, "Whoa." And she had this song called uh, Rise Like a Phoenix, which was an incredible... I feel like that's the perfect Eurovision song. Yeah. But not a lot of people know that it's actually um, this guy called Thomas Neuwirth, who's Austrian, and he says that Conchita is like his sort of like Sasha Fierce... Like, that's his, like, Rodrigo. drag persona, and he's like, he goes by he, him, but when he's Conchita, he goes by she, her, and how he's basically created her as, like, an alter ego. And uh, worst actually means sausage in German, while Conchita <laughs> means vagina in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, obviously, absolutely huge hit. Um, won Eurovision, rightfully so. Um, she'd kind of tried to do it before and it hadn't really gone so well. And I think it was like basically the perfect time for her to do it. And I think because it was sort of serious and, you know, she didn't have lots of other dances or anything and it was very like sincere I think it worked really well and a lot mm. of people say that actually the message of it was why they think it was so important and um she got a lot of hate like a lot of hate and there were like really? petitions to edit out her performance um that like just some really horrible stuff said by people and a lot of like Russian politicians and stuff and um oh, actually God. um there was actually quite a a comment made in quite like poor taste by Terry Wogan at the time about how like it was a freak show no and it was actually Terry. Graham Graham Norton who said actually no it seems like Eurovision has done something that matters just a little bit Oh, we love Graham. And a lot of people actually say no. It's, it's you know it's not just a victory for Austria. It's uh, for d- diversity and like tolerance in Europe. And there was a local radio station that actually celebrated her winning by playing "Rise Like a Phoenix" on loop um, for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of despite everything, I think the overall message of it is that like she just became this absolute icon for Europe and definitely it like topped the charts loads of like activists and everything it kind of like spurred them on and 
honestly like she just seems like such a legend because she says a lot of stuff where she's literally like um there are people who want to kill me and I'm always like well get in line darling <laughs> yeah iconic <laughs> so at the time it was obviously quite a huge thing but now uh he's kind of pursuing other um kind of performances and just goes by worst and um has a lot of like interesting new music coming out and is still obviously doing music and actually appeared in the netflix film eurovision song contest the story of fire saga oh see i haven't seen that did a little cameo um i wouldn't recommend it (laughs) to be honest it's like three hours long yeah i think that's why i haven't watched it because i can't commit there's like two scenes that are genuinely quite funny but for three hours it's not worth it (laughs) (laughs) okay noted it's quite funny though because if you've seen there's a scene in it where there's a guy and he's like oh the song's quite good but it's the uk so they're not gonna get any points (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah that's uh what conchita's up to still doing music still being a living legend that is well cool it's funny i don't like I guess not a lot of people have musical success after Eurovision. It'd be interesting to see how well she does musically. I mean, I haven't heard anything, you know, from the UK on her, anything that she's released. But I wonder if maybe she's like super popular in Europe and we just don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. You just, it's quite, I feel like it's quite hard to break the UK if you're not british or you know from the uk or america pretty much i feel like it's really difficult yeah yeah and and does she sing in always in english because we're very bad here uh if it's not in english it doesn't <laughs> do particularly well unless it like is despacito and it features justin bieber so people get on board with it no she yeah she does sing in in um english she has like her songs are British. They say it will hit me. Like the names are all in English. So I assume okay. she sings. Yeah, it's quite... It is quite telling that we don't really have songs that aren't in English. But in with Eurovision as well, like I feel like everyone tends to sing in English because they feel like it will get them more points when really... Would it be better if they sang... And we just kind of got yeah. used to more to not being so like boxed in. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like oh, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because I I find it, and I'm guilty of it myself. Like I can't connect to a song if I don't know what the words are. Hmm. Like I can appreciate it if it's a bit of a vibe, you know. Despacito, <laughs> no, no. But I I don't. Yeah, I I think that's probably why it's like people can't connect to it maybe on a deeper level because you don't know what they're saying. Yeah, and then I'm like, wow, I just wish that I knew more languages. Yeah, see, and that's where I think we're bad as well. We don't we don't have enough emphasis on learning other languages, whereas like all the other European countries tend to like know English. It's like always the embarrassing thing is like when you go on holiday and it's like you try and say a few words in Spanish, but they'll just speak to you in English because they're just like, you're, you're tragic. Yeah. 
<laughs> but if they came over here, no one would be able to speak Spanish to them. I know it's it, it does it's sad, but it's quite sad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope. But I guess like that uh, other. To be fair, probably in more recent years, like different languages, the music with different languages has like gone a bit more mainstream like, like obviously with bts Rosalia. and like k-pop yeah loads of like yeah loads of like spanish artists and all kinds of stuff um coming into mainstream charts so it probably is being a bit more widely accepted yeah i hope i hope they're more mm. for sure not that cool. i'll be able right. to contribute <laughs> Maybe I'll just release an entire language, uh, entire album in another language. I think Bristolian is its own one. <laughs> <laughs> People still need a translator for that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, I guess that sort of wraps up our episode quite nicely. You can follow us on Instagram at the Listen to This Podcast. And next week will be oh, an episode that we'll put. We've got to do a vote on our Instagram, haven't we? Oh yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, we'll come up with a couple of topics, and you can decide what we talk about. Mm. So that's it from us. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.